Recovery Radio, where we discuss substance abuse treatment and recovery. You can listen live at blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Please note that the views and opinions of our hosts and guests are not necessarily the views of OCG, nor is it meant to replace professional advice or the advice of your physician. And now, here's our show, Roach on Recovery, with your host, We are getting back after it, folks. I know, uh, I think probably in the last show, we promised you uh, maybe three weeks or so. I know it's been a little longer than that, but we are back and excited to be back. Uh, Don't forget to call us, area code 646-564-9909. Again, area code 646-564-9909. Call us if you want to just listen to the show over the phone. If you'd like to chime in with a question, if you'd like to give our host a hard time, whatever it is you want to call for, give us a call. Uh, by the way, Mr. Host, do you have any idea where the 646 area code is? I believe that is a New York prefix. New York prefix. So that might explain all the uh, all the difficulties we've had over the years. Way, uh, way, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yes, indeed. Well, we're uh, we're ready to go, man. I'm chomping at the bit here. I'm chomping at the bit here. It's been a while. How 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 are you feeling? How how's this last month been for you? Well, anyone who uh, does what we do knows that there's nothing constant but change. Um, exactly and right. That's all we've been doing is constantly dealing with change. Um, so you just keep doing it. That's what you got to do. You got to keep rolling. You got to keep moving. We apologize for being gone for longer than we said, um, but hopefully uh, we can have a good show today and uh, make up for it. Absolutely. That's exactly what the game plan is. Uh, And uh, it's perfectly timed that we come back this week because we all know what's coming in like T minus 10 days. Let me drop the soundbite on them. It's been far too long. (laughs) 
Yeah, so let me just say for every football fan out there, for every guy out there who just heard that, if that doesn't get the heart beating just a little faster, uh, I don't know what else would. And for all the wives of you out there who just heard that, time to start running for the hills because you know where your husband's going to be on Sunday real soon here. Speaking of that, um, my wife doesn't know this yet, but I've you know, learn learn from her. I've learned from the best because one of the things that she does, which when you think about it, is quite ingenious. She borrows, or for lack of a better description, she draw, she pulls credit off of future holidays. So she borrows from the future. So okay. Let's, let's say we're now in July, okay, but her birthday's in December. Yes. So she'll say, you know what? I want to borrow from my birthday gift coming up in December and use it now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and then now the reason why it's so ingenious for her is because um, she, uh, when the time comes around, when it's the actual birthday, okay, there's no way that I'm going to, I'm going to get away with saying, well, wait a second now, six months ago, you borrowed from your current birthday gift to use back in July. I just won't get away with that. So what she does is then say, well, I'm going to borrow off of my Valentine's Day gift or, you know, something like, you know, she just keeps pushing it out forward. So I said, wow, she can just keep doing this. And at a certain point, we'll never have to repay it. You know, we'll never have to feel the consequences of borrowing out ahead of time on these gifts. So I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to do it in reverse. I'm Mm. going to stockpile credits. There you go. (laughs) They said, well, what do you, they said, what what do you want for uh, Father's Day? I said, nothing at the moment. There you go. There you go. Dad, what do you want for your birthday? Because they're two weeks apart. I said, nothing at the moment. I said, however, I will exercise my right to stockpile (laughs) brain checks gifts to be used at a date in the future of my choosing. So right now it's on stockpile. And of course, what I plan to use it for is to pay for my NFL Sunday ticket prescriptions uh, subscription. That's right. That's right. That's, that's a beautiful thing. You, You stockpile them, get the rain checks. You, uh, pay now, play later kind of thing. Save now. Use their money to pay for my entertainment. That's perfect. Well, and uh, it's worth stating for those of you listeners out there because uh, I don't know. Actually, kind of kind of a cool story as your co-host here, and I know a lot of the listeners have heard our banter back and forth over the years. But uh, the host has known me since uh, I was a young buck, uh, seventeen years young. Uh, so. I was thinking about it the other night. I think Anna and I were talking about it the other night. Uh, And you have known me for uh, over half my life now, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about. And uh, that all segues into the point that basically since I have known the host, he has been a season ticket subscriber and about four games in every single year that I can remember has threatened to cancel. Yep. (laughs) 
so so we're gonna we're gonna throw that out to the listeners and I guess if it's not on your dime anymore there would be no more reason to threaten to cancel. Yeah. You'll just yep. write it out. If I know my New York Jets, New York Giants, or Dallas Cowboys are done for this season, <laughs> that's it. I'm throwing in the towel with my uh, subscription, and that's it. I can listen to it on the radio. That is it. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, speaking of training camp, before we get into the topic, is there uh, anything you're excited about? Anything that you need to report to the audience about any of your teams? I believe training camps start in about seven to ten days for most teams. I think I think you and I talked about this. That there's this odd thing going on that, at least for me, as I get older, I get more and more worried with each season of players getting injured. Injured. In yeah, camp. that's yeah, no, we did talk about that and I feel before, the same I never, exact way. I never worried about that. Never worried about it before. You know, it happened, it happened. I but I never worried about it. Now every day I'm like dreading the ticker on the T V talking about someone tearing an ACL in in, yeah. in minicamp or something like that. Yep. So, yeah. Other than that, no, whatever happens I'm I'm ready. You got to come out healthy. That's the that's the name of the game there. All right. Well, yeah, I've got a I've got nothing to report. I mean, we were chatting just before the show about two kind of potential key components, uh one on your Cowboys and one on my 49ers who both to an extent avoided catastrophe or or banishment for an extended period of time. So, uh that should be that should give the teams an added boost, um, and then maybe we'll make it another show at some point. But before the show, just so the listeners out there know, we were chatting about the NFL and a lot of suspensions that come down for for marijuana use from the players. And I know we've chatted about legalized marijuana on this show, um, but it's interesting to tie that into potential NFL stuff as well. So. Uh, a lot of it is out there, and it's a topic worthy of discussing at some point. Yep. 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 Perfect. What do we uh, What do we got on tap? Um. So I've been brooding. You know what that means? Brooding. Uh, yeah, it, uh, similar it, it maybe means, to brewing, stewing on something. Yeah, and it means, and the funny thing, it, it means something different in England. Brooding in England is uh, when a, a woman is, uh, w- you know, getting the feeling and wanting and desire to uh, have a baby. So I've been brooding the last couple of weeks on this topic because, you know, things happen over the course of, you know, time. In regards to certain attitudes that you you notice that are in the air, um, and this has been, let's say, last ten years for me at least, the last ten years, and I rarely talk about what my experience has been. I try and keep that out of it and stay objective in terms of uh, when we provide services for people. But I'm going to violate that rule specifically for for this show, um, because I think my experience speaks to uh, what I'm rooting about. Um, 
We're talking about entitlement and recovery. And ultimately, are those two things compatible? Can you have a successful recovery process if you have a sense of entitlement? Um, Can you – does having a sense of entitlement impact one's ability to feel and experience uh, gratitude? So those are the questions uh, that are out there. So let me just talk briefly about my experience. So when I went into treatment 30 years ago, there was a, first of all, there was a six-month wait to get in. That's number one. How, and number how did two, that... How did that work, by the way, just for the listeners to know? So you call or someone from your family calls? No, I call. You know, we're seeking a, we're seeking yeah, you a bed. Call. You, you, call, you call, you're seeking a bed. Right. And, and they tell you, we'll, we'll give you a call in six months. Well, no, they, they make an appointment for you to come down to have a pre-screen interview. Okay. And it, it's at that interview, you're informed, okay, you know, it's, it's going to be about six months before we get a bed. So we'll give you a call. I'm certain during that, you know, that happens, that happens to everybody. And especially during that time back in New York, when there, you know, were 2000 people on the waiting list. And by the way, there's, that's not an exaggeration because I checked there's two, there was 2000 people on the waiting list for treatment. Okay. And this was during the heyday, you know, of the uh, crack epidemic. So, you know, if you got to, you know, I, I'm almost certain that people died during the time that they were waiting. This is one of the reasons why they were, they were really pushing and trying to strengthen the outreaches, because if they can get people plugged in while they were waiting, then yeah. it was an easier and more seamless transition once the bed opened up and they came into the entry unit. Um, but, of course, you know, even though you might be going to the outreach, you're still left to your own devices during that time. Okay. So I'm certain that some people were lost because of that. So, you know, once you get in um, and, you know, entry unit serves a purpose where, you know, you get a physical and, you know, you you get looked over from head to toe um, in all facets of your of your existence um, so they can determine the best way to go about um, helping you. And um, they take care of all of that before you then get rotated upstate to the to the residential facilities, which are up in the Catskill Mountains. So when I got up to Swan Lake, which is a month, I stayed in the entry unit 30 days. Um, all of my peers left before me, which I need to investigate why that was the case, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. But uh, so when I got to Swan Lake, I was uh, – you know, I got there at night, so I had no idea what the place looked like other than the main house, which is where, you know, they take you in. But okay. that next morning, that next morning, when I got, went on the floor, um, went to morning meeting, it was then that I found out that the night before, the house went into a tight house. Now, mind you, whatever happened prior to me getting there, I had nothing to do with Mm-hmm. Whatever shenanigans were going on, whatever people were doing or not doing, I had nothing to do with. All I knew is that the day I arrived that night, the house went into a tight house. 
And that morning after morning meeting, everybody that was on the uh, housekeeping crew, the name of the actual crew will come back to me at some point. Uh, it begins with a G, but I can't remember what it was. It, uh, it was a department? Yes. Yes. Huh, okay. Um, when they, and if any listeners out there remember what the, 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 t- the team was when you first come in the house upstate in, in the daytime facilities, um, let me know. But um, right after morning meeting, that team, we were sent over to, I want to say induction, but it, I don't think it's induction. We were sent over to the gym. And we were told, okay, you guys got to scrub the gym floor. Hands and knees with buckets, handheld scrubbers in your hand, you know, the old school wooden scrubbers with the bristles, scrubbing the gym floor. It was a rubber, rubberized floor on the gym, not, not a wooden floor. So as I'm sitting there, you know, kneeling down, scrubbing the floor, one of my peers is next to me, and I said... Ain't that a B? Hmm. <laughs> I said, here we are, just arrived here, and we're on our hands and knees scrubbing the floor. And by the way, it was a huge gym. Scrubbing the gym floor. But guess what? We did it. We didn't complain. That's right. We did it. And you did it for, you know, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it was, before you had to go back and now get ready for lunch. After lunch, there was afternoon seminar. After seminar, you went back to work. That was your job. That was your job. If you were assigned to the, you know, the, the gym. And that lasted for about two weeks. Five days, a, five days a week. Nine to five. Scrubbing the gym floor. And I can, honestly sit, here, I can honestly sit here and tell you, and I said this Back then, after coming out of the experience and the house was opened up, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, even though I couldn't stand it while I was going through it. But it was the best thing that ever happened to me for two reasons. Number one, it never affected me again whenever we went into a tight house because that's all I knew was a tight house. <laughs> yeah, that's that, how you came through, right? That was, that was my standard. It wasn't like I came in on a loose house. We then went to a tight house, and I got a comparison. You understand? Uh, no. Oh, I do understand because my story is the opposite. So, <laughs> Right. So my standard was always what the tight house was is my standard of how the facility should function and operate. And we were grateful for the experience. We were grateful for looking around and being, first of all, me being an athlete, being in a $2 million gym. Yep, yep. You know what I'm saying? I was like, wow, is this his treatment? We were grateful that we got three meals a day. We were grateful that we had, you know, activities. We were grateful that there were 250 people there um, for the same reasons. I just remember there was a lot of gratitude. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody, even every, even, let's say even every, if everyone f- felt gratitude, it doesn't mean everyone exercised their gratitude. What I mean by that, it doesn't mean everybody stayed. It doesn't mean people didn't get attitudes. 
all of that continued to happen. But at the root, the majority of people were grateful to be off the streets, grateful to be getting off drugs, grateful to be starting a recovery process, grateful to be gaining their health. You know, all of those things that we take for granted, we were grateful for. Right. Um, the, the, it just never entered my mind to uh, have a to have entitlement even creep into my cerebral cortex. <laughs> right, right, right. To then have it verbalized or displayed, like Daytop owed me something, or that I could complain about having to be on my hands and knees scrubbing the gym floor or washing the largest pots I've ever seen in my life or raking the, the largest expanse of grass that I've ever seen. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It, it just never occurred to me, oh, complain about that loudly to others. It doesn't yeah, mean that we... It doesn't mean, let me just say this, it doesn't mean that we didn't gripe or complain about the environment, meaning like if it was hot outside, we didn't complain about that. If it was cold outside, we didn't complain about that. Or if we looked up from scrubbing the floor and see, damn, we got another 100 feet to go, to go that we didn't complain about that. But we didn't complain about being in the program and having to do that because we were so grateful that we were we felt like we were one of the lucky ones to make sure. it in. Sure. And I don't think, um, and I think as time has gone on, <clears throat> and I can't speak for, I'm only you know, speaking through my personal experience, so I can't speak for other programs or so on and so forth, but as I've seen people come into our programs over the years, and we're talking about over a 30-year period, right? And I've seen people come in. You have seen a couple of things. You've seen individual attitudes, okay? You've seen generational attitudes, and you've seen cultural attitudes. And I haven't studied this, so this is all anecdotal. But I do, from my opinion, from what I've seen, that culturally, generationally, Okay, I put them both together because oftentimes some, so for some persons, for one person, that might just be the culture of today's society, but they're not in you know, this particular generation. So let's say they're not a millennial. They might be older. They might be in their 40s or 50s. Okay? But culturally, they've adopted the attitude of the culture. And the attitude of the culture, in my opinion, is a sense of entitlement. Mm. That's something that you are owed something by just by just by virtue of your existence and that isn't the case right i say to our clients many times over the years don't forget to thank the taxpayers of san mateo county Hmm. don't forget to thank them because they're the ones that make this possible That that's you know that's a small bit of of gratitude, being you know having a, a larger picture than just your own circle of existence. That what makes this possible? Uh, how am I able to be here and not coming out of my own pocket? You know what I'm saying? Who's who's paying? Who's investing in me 
for me to get my act together, get my life together, get back on track, become a productive person for, my, for myself first, my family, my community, etc. Who's investing in me to do that? Well, for me, I didn't know the ins and outs of who was paying for my treatment. All I knew is that I wasn't paying. Right. Yeah, you know right. What I'm and whomever, however, whatever and wherever that it was being paid for, I may not have known who, what, where, and how, and why, but I was grateful because I certainly didn't have the money to pay for it. So I was grateful for that. And I was certainly going to not throw water back in the faces of whomever those entities or people are that make make this possible by A, not taking advantage of the opportunity, B, whining, moaning, and, and complaining, okay, that, about, that ultimately about things that are irrelevant, things that are ultimately, and again, this is big picture, right, things that are ultimately irrelevant to the cause of you getting yourself, getting your life back together. And what I've seen is people sometimes get caught up in peripheral things, mm. things that aren't, aren't ultimately meaningful to them and their recovery, but they have something to do with other, you know, indirect things, unrelated things. Things that have no direct bearing on decisions that I'm going to make to improve my life. So, did I complain about the food at the at at, at Swan Lake? Hell no, because I was grateful. Grateful. That, yeah. Wow, you know, three meals to assist you in regaining your nutritional health. Okay, I was amazed, by the way, at. You know, and my wife likes to make fun of me about this. As a matter of fact, she kind of blames me for infusing this habit into my daughters, which is snack time. I was amazed at, at you know, my, my second night in the facility at Swan Lake that there was, quote, unquote, snack time at 9 o'clock at night for grown people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And it wasn't enough that it was snack time. But when I went on the snack line, it's a long line, by the way, and as I was inching my way through, you know, I'm thinking to myself, because you can't see what's being served or what the allocations are that are available, the menu options that are available. So I'm thinking to myself, well, I wonder what kind of snacks we got. Well, we got some canned pears, some uh, canned peaches, you know, stuff like that, some applesauce, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I get to the front of that line, and they got cupcakes, devil dogs, Twinkies, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, I have to look around. Wonder, am I in treatment? Where is all this? And I, you know, I love chocolate, right? Where is all this bounty, this this good stuff coming from? Who makes this possible? Is what I was thinking to myself while I was grabbing my cupcake and my devil dog. Thank you very much. I said to myself. It was unbelievable, but I was absolutely grateful. I couldn't believe it, but I was grateful, as were my peers. We were grateful. 
So we didn't complain about the food. We didn't complain about, you know, being, quote-unquote, stuck 175 miles away from the city on a Saturday night, having to be creative and make do with ourselves, you know what I'm saying, and, keep, and, and come up with things to entertain ourselves, positive, constructive things to entertain ourselves. Saturday night activity. And movies weren't allowed. Okay, so <laughs> right? it, wasn't, it wasn't the old fallback. It wasn't the old fallback. Uh, let's pop in a, uh, back down a video. Okay? Right, right. So <clears throat> anyone who, and this applies back then, it applies today. If you somehow were distracted with things that, you know, you wanted to complain about, all that did was take the focus off of you and why you were there to all of these external, unrelated, uh, irrelevant, frivolous, peripheral things that ultimately had no bearing on your recovery and your success in your recovery. So it always puzzled me back then, as it puzzles me today, how people get so off track, so distracted, and so, you know, off onto other things. Because I'll be the first to tell you, not from my experience, but it applies to all of us, okay? When, when you are trying to get this recovery thing, okay, you cannot be distracted by anything. This is the reason why if you've reached a point where you require residential treatment, that means your life became unmanageable, out of control. Your whole thought process was wrapped around just getting the drugs and getting high. The very definition of being an addict. Nothing else mattered. You slept if you slept. You ate if you ate. But your, whole, your job for the, when you were awake was about getting the drugs and getting high. That was your job. Mm-hmm. So when you reach that state where you require residential treatment, you cannot afford to have any distractions, especially when you're in treatment. You can't allow anything to you know, come into that, that laser focus that you need to have. Because if it does, if it does, okay, we can predict with reasonable certainty, okay, that it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. So, Mr. Mr. Producer, you know, you know, this is a pet peeve for me. It always has been, always will be. Um, And I fully cop, I admit that it stems from my own personal experience going through treatment Um, and the gratitude that I knew we had and how we would, we wouldn't dream. We wouldn't dream of complaining about anything. What we would do, what we would do is if there was anything going on or anything happening that we didn't like we didn't, uh, we didn't think was right, whatever the case may be. We took ownership of it. It's our house, and we used the tools of the house. So if there was something going on with staff, we would use the tools to confront them. 
if there was something going on with something particular in the house, you know, a system, an operation, the structure, whatever it was, we would use the tools that we were given to address it. That's what we would do. And that's how we made our grievances known, our complaints known. We would address it head on. We certainly, and, and it was done in the context of our treatment, meaning we didn't allow it to become a side thing over here. So while I'm going through my treatment, I'm, I'm also doing this over here. That can't happen. It has it to, was you know, it has to be within the context of, the tre- of my treatment, using, using the, the tools, practicing the tools, okay, and not becoming sidetracked. I think uh, it's possible that, uh, once again, we are being tossed a curveball uh, by blog talk, but that's okay because at this point, we have become pros at expecting the off-speed pitch uh, in a 2-0 count where normally you'd get the fastball. We're sitting on it, we're waiting on it, and we're going to turn on it and hit the home run. So I am fairly certain that you all can still hear me, even though the host has dropped off. But I was actually going to piggyback and or speak to this point myself and my experience, um, and not maybe personally as far as my own treatment experience, but experience that I have had as a staff in seeing both sides of the coin, right? So we've got uh, a handful of clients, and particularly when we were an adolescent um, program, or at least we had an adolescent branch, which is the branch that I worked for, uh, for its duration, <clears throat> we saw the entitled client uh, run rampant, left and right. We had entitlement all over the place. Now, a part of that is kind of being a teenager, uh, at least in society today or over the past um maybe decade or so uh, we've just it's kind of been a societal trend so i wouldn't say that that that's particular just to the niche of the clients that we get but more the teenage attitude generally speaking uh, but then when we switched over to service just adults and i have worked with adults for a while now uh, it's a mixed bag so you get some who come across as entitled Um, And maybe it's by no mistake or coincidence that those tend to be the younger adults that we have. Uh, And then you also get the adults on the other side of the coin that are very similar to kind of what the host was describing as his experience. uh, That entitlement did not creep into the picture. um, And the only time some sort of complaint might have been discussed was within the context that is kind of set up for that in treatment, whether that be dropping a slip or using a group to talk about things of that nature. Uh, But one client, and obviously to keep anonymity, I will refrain from using this client's name, uh, but uh, he used to bring up several good points uh, to speak to clients who may have come across as entitled. Um, And he would bring up and mention the point that the host was talking about, about You know, there's no real, it's not on the forefront of a lot of clients' minds that they are here uh, with a roof over their head, being provided three meals a day, being provided snacks kind of at their disposal, um, and access to all the things that there are access to without a penny coming out of their pocket, 
so to speak. And um, in addition to what was available back in the day and what the host was talking about, right, the the three squares and the roof over your head and the, and the bed that you had provided to you, um, but the host and wealth of knowledge that comes with the staffing uh, that our program has today and that uh, he would mention, you know, when you leave this program, you would have to pay really, really, really good money, top dollar to access some of the mental health staff, the clinical staff that we have here, master's level and PhD level licensed psychologists. And these are staff that you have at your disposal, at your whim, essentially, uh, that are here for you, that are here to answer your questions and talk to you about recovery, where if you were to seek them out in a private practice or uh, you know, wherever they may be working, if you weren't in a program where that was made available to you, um, you'd either A, have to be paying some sort of uh, premium for insurance that then allowed that to be available to you, or you'd have to come out of pocket if you were going to pay to speak to uh, a mental health professional, um, you know, once a week, maybe uh, in your own personal life. And so here you're not paying a penny for that kind of access and you're also uh, not limited to a, a once a week or once every other week access either. Now, that might be the setup that we have in our program or other folks have in their program for one-on-one or individual therapy or family therapy, where it might be uh, weekly or bi-monthly, whatever the case may be. But as far as the groups that are run and the questions that you are available, uh, that they make themselves available to answer and the interaction uh, is daily. It's day in and day out. And so without really giving thought to how is this all made available to me for free, um, it could be easy to become entitled because this may not be an ideal situation for you in your life right now or where you might expect to be or want to be. But the reality is you are here. Like the host mentioned, something had to go pretty seriously wrong for you to end up uh, in a residential setting like this. Uh, And then to think, like the host said, to thank the taxpayer because now you've got food, shelter, uh, mental health professionals, uh, therapeutic community professionals who have maybe sat in the same seats that you're sitting in now, and all of everything that you're surrounded by, the, the walls, the staff, the soul of the facility is all here to service you, and it's not costing you a dime. And so that is very, very important to think about. And I think when people can become more readily aware of that or cognizant of that fact, it may help to subside some of the entitlement that might start to creep in um, to folks during their treatment experience. Uh, So these are things that I wanted to piggyback on, and I was planning on it uh, as the host was wrapping up uh, his story. Again, it looks like uh, we have had a little cutoff uh, from the host here, uh, and I, it may be possible that nobody can even hear me, but in the event that you can hear me, someone out there can hear me, uh, we're going to continue to keep it rolling. So what I will do is I'm going to queue up a little music break here. Uh, we are going to hope to get the host back on uh, so he can finish his story, and maybe if the host has heard what I had to say, uh, we can go a little back and forth and see where we agree or disagree or just get some information out there to the folks that are uh, participating uh, by either listening uh, live over the phone, uh, computer remotely, somehow, some way. So 
anyway, I think it's a topic that that's a great topic when the host uh, had approached me about it yesterday. Um, I think it was needed and there's a lot of good points to be made. So we'll hope to resolve the issue here quickly. We are going to take a music break and uh, hopefully by the end of the music break, we will get the host back on. Uh, For those of you on hold, either listening to the show or waiting to participate in the recovery support time segment, please be patient, bear with us. Uh, We'll get it all squared away shortly and uh, we will get to you guys when that segment approaches. All right. So everybody uh, enjoy the music and uh, we'll talk to you in a minute.
Folks, well, I hope you enjoyed the Bob Seger against the wind. It is a it is a great song. Now, this is not ideal timing, and it's not when we had planned on playing the song for you. But we have once again come up with a backdoor plan to try and save the day. Our host now keeps an emergency headset in his in his uh, khaki pockets and uh, keeps his cell phone right on the desk just in case the direct connect drops off. Uh, so, again, assuming everybody could hear me, we got the host back on now, calling from his personal line. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to keep our fingers crossed that the show keeps going because typically if the host line cuts off, that's kind of like the uh, that's the main the main line connection to the show. But, Mr. Host, can you hear us? Are you back? I'm back. Back, back, just like the Terminator. Uh, so nope. what I was explaining to the audience, um, I can't, I kind of gave the audience my perspective because I, I was listening to all the points you were making and, and it had reminded me of some points that I wanted to make. Um, and as you were kind of, uh, at least where we anticipate that we lost you, you were talking about how you used to make point a point to the clients to, you know, thank the taxpayers and kind of be mindful of uh, how much access you have to the things while you're in this treatment period and that you don't have to really think about anything or be responsible for anything other than yourself in that moment. Um, and, and if there were some sort of gripes or complaints that you had, uh, they would only be taken up within the context and the confines of the TC and how that's available to you. Um, and so what I did what was I made the points to them and I'll bring them up to you. I'll try and paraphrase because um, I, I was, I kind of ran my mouth for 10 minutes there as you were saying you were running your mouth to, uh, I guess between, between you and the spirits around you, um, that we had a client and, and, you know, not to mention anybody's name for confidentiality purposes, 
Uh, well, I mentioned a couple things. One, that when we had an adolescent branch, which was the branch that I was initially introduced to as an employee and where I had worked the majority of my time, um, that that's where I, you know, we saw entitlement run rampant. And now I said it'd be hard to tease out how much of that had to do with this was just the kind of the demographic of the client we were receiving versus this just might be teenagers today in society. And teenagers, generally speaking, tend to be entitled. So, so it'd be hard to to pin that on one or the other. Uh, but nevertheless, we dealt with entitlement uh, quite a bit, and uh, and so that was one point that I made. Uh, and then I made a point where when we switched to adults and I started working with adults, you would get a mixed bag where you'd have some clients who still presented to be uh, entitled and then other clients who were not. Uh, and then I did say, you know, there might be a correlation, at least in the handful of years I've now worked with adults, the entitlement from the clients who are in the adult population still tend to be the younger adults, um, the younger folks in the group. And so uh, that's a thing and how we had one client who used to call clients out on entitlement. This was like his number one thing. And he used to say, you know, if if you really take a minute to look around you and take a look at the access that you have um, to certain things, which is the point that you were making, Mr. Host, uh, Mm -hmm. about food, you know, three square. It appears Mr. Producer has gone down. And now I'm up. I'm going to see. I'm going to play a commercial break, and I'm going to try and get Mr. Producer back up. Is that you, Mr. Producer? (laughs) Here I am. Here I am. Hey, I'll tell you what. They can't keep us down. They 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 cannot they cannot keep keep a good pair like us down. You know, you know what's funny? 
is I think you have to share <laughs> share what happened to you when you when you first logged on today. Yeah, yeah. What, what they were trying to get point, from you. See, I wasn't I wasn't going to go there because I didn't want any bad juju. But now that it's hit the fan, uh, there there's no point in holding out at the, at this point. But uh, I was asking I was asking the host if he noticed anything upon logging in today. And uh, he just logged in how he normally does and didn't notice anything. And what was happening while I was logging in uh, to the blog talk is that the home page looks like it has a few more bells and whistles. The colors are a little sharper. Uh, The graphics are a little more pleasing to the eye aesthetically. And so it's clear that they're front-end engineers and web developers, their JavaScript writers have, uh, have beautified the, the uh, user interface a little bit. Uh, and so I thought that that was funny because then uh, before you sign in and even after you sign in, it default takes you to a page where you can uh, choose the duration of your subscription, whether you'd like a month or a year or two years or whatever the case may be. And I guess uh, because they look a little more aesthetically pleasing to the eye now, they felt it necessary to raise their prices for subscriptions. And uh, so I thought that was all very comical that they now charge more because they look better. Uh, but still, when you're on the inside, uh, I mean, I don't know. You tell me, Mr. Host. I don't know if this is an exaggeration. I think it's safe to say we've had some sort of technical difficulty like every show. Yeah, there was like a two-year window where we had zero problems, and then it just started. And then there was like another eight-month window where it went away. And then since then, it's been like hit, like we just almost expect at some point during the show, I'm going to get booted off. The only thing that has changed is that we devised a workaround that if I get – when I get booted off, that there's a means for – I know exactly what we have to do now to continue because it doesn't let you know for about 10 minutes that you've been booted. So before, right. we were just – we didn't know what to do because we wasn't getting any information, no messages. So – but be that as it may, okay, we'll just go a little long over the top of the hour so we can finish out our topic um, and give it give it its just due, so to speak. Um so, with that being said, the two main questions that we asked at the beginning were, can a sense of entitlement be compatible with, with succeeding in recovery? Can entitlement, a sense of entitlement, coexist with a sense and a feeling of gratitude? I don't think it can on either account because I firmly believe that if you have a sense of entitlement about anything, to be honest, anything, okay, if you believe something is owed to you, okay, and, and, and that permeates how you then go about doing a certain thing, permeates how you, you know, live and exist in the world, then I wonder what, what's going to happen if whatever it is you feel you are owed, 
that you deserve if you don't get it? Hmm. What happens if you don't get it? Or what happens if you get it, but you don't take advantage of it? And you don't take advantage of it because you believed, well, it was mine to begin with. I, I deserve this. I should have gotten this. I'm owed this. I'm entitled to this. It's a scary place to be. You know, I've accused on, you know, on occasion over the years as they're growing, growing through their adolescence and teenagedom and early adulthood. You know, I, I've said these same things to my own children about either I've accused them of it or I've cautioned them against it. And of course, where, where do your 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 children, your kids, have their first, you know, you know, sense of entitlement? Well, they believe that they they come to believe that your car is their car, your house is their house. Yeah, right. It's mine. I deserve it. I'm entitled to it. Um, I can do as I please with it, on it, in it, around it, and the. You know, the shock of the awakening that that is not the case. <laughs> it is not right, your car. Right. It is not your house. Okay. You cannot do what you want, do as you please, et cetera, et cetera. And as a matter of fact, speaking to your point about the adolescence, okay, I give the adolescence an exemption, okay, because it's almost inherent in their adolescent attitude to have that, okay? But what we aim to see is that as you move into early adulthood, that those attitudes modify. They get amended. They get revised. They mature. They evolve. You learn. You become informed. You, you educate yourself. And you, learn, you, you come to an understanding that, no, I'm not entitled to anything. I must work for it. And if I am... Granted something that I quote unquote didn't work for, that I express either through my actions, my attitude, my behaviors, etc., gratitude for that. And a major part, in my opinion, of the expression of that gratitude is what you do with that, you know, that for which you've been granted. So if you were granted the opportunity to go into residential treatment, which is not a given. For every one that's given, that's, that's, that's given the opportunity, there's 10 that don't get it. It's the most expensive form of treatment. They don't let us forget that. You know what I mean? We're always reminded of that. Well, residential costs the most money. Well, yeah, it does. But like you said, Mr. Producer, if someone, at least this is the way I looked at it, if you can go someplace where you don't have to worry about any external responsibilities, you only have to be 
the letters B-E. You only have to worry about just being, okay? That's all you have to worry about. You have no bills. That's right. No uh, current worries. I'm not saying there aren't any worries because some people have some legal issues. Some people have, you know, some family issues and all that. But all of that can be addressed and worked out during the treatment process. So, you know, you don't, you, you won't feel, or you shouldn't feel like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fighting this on my own. So, with all that, okay, you don't have, you know, you, you're, you're getting, you're, you're going to get support, you're going to get help with those things, and you don't have to worry about anything else, no external bills or responsibilities. And the reason behind that, there's, there's a method to the madness. The reason is because that person who has reached that point of their addiction where they need residential treatment needs to have the best chance to recover the best chance to recover and it's been proven that the best chance is they're in an environment where they don't have they don't have to worry about anything except dealing with the addiction and the you know the things that are attached to that. There's no but there, one of the things that I might have said this while we were off air. We don't want to waste time though focusing on things that aren't important and become distracted with things that aren't relevant. You got to be laser focused. Yep. Nothing else can matter. Your kids can't matter. The dog can't matter. The house can't matter. The car can't matter. The spouse can't matter. Nothing else can matter except you taking advantage of this opportunity, using it to the best of your ability, and moving forward with it. And can I play just a just a tad bit of semantics uh, about the point you just made because I think it's it's fair, but I would I would maybe word it that spouse and the dog and the house and the kids and all that does matter and, and can matter, but the way that you you work while you're in treatment, uh, the the method with which you make those things matter is by doing just like you said, uh, solely focusing on yourself. Right. So, so it's, so, so those things, the ancillary things in life, the, you know, your spouse and, and your family and, and the dog and the house and the, the car payment and whatever else they matter. But the only way you make them matter is by walking the walk and talking the talk of just focusing on yourself while you're here. Uh, if you make those things matter more than the focus that you put on yourself while you're in treatment, uh, you know, you're destined to have all of those things that, that you touch in your life and that we just mentioned uh, have to have to suffer again. And, and all of those things will be let down and you'll fail in some capacity if you don't focus on yourself. So all of those things matter, but the way they matter while you're in treatment is by you focusing on you. That's the only way to make sure that the other things that matter are taken care of is by you taking care of yourself while you have this opportunity. Correct. 
Because I, uh, you know, I've had these conversations one on one with clients recently, you know, and and somebody gets off maybe an upsetting phone call with a wife or a girlfriend, or you know, they've missed an event from one of their children, or or whatever the case may be, and and it's the my message is the same, and it's a delicate balance of how it's delivered is that. You know, it's it's not that those things are not important or can't be important to you because they, they clearly are, but the only way to get where you're trying to go and the only way to have those things continue to be important and for you to show these people that that they are important is by you focusing on yourself while you're here. So while, while I understand that it's upsetting to you, whatever it is, the news you've just received or what you're going through – it's of paramount importance that you do not let that sidetrack you from why you're here to begin with. And that's just to work on you because if those things are going to be important and are going to be a part of your life moving forward, the only way that's going to work is if you work. You mean that they get phone calls? Every once in a while, you know what I mean? It's carrots. You know, we, we, we've gone from reverse thinking where, and we had to get creative with the adolescents where, uh, you know, you, you would dangle the carrot and then they would earn the carrot. And uh, the reverse engineering, if you will, is to give them all the carrots up front and then have yeah. those carrots removed or taken away uh, if we don't continue to do what we need to do. So we reverse engineered it a little bit and it works great. And, and it's funny how it worked because if, if you told one of the adolescents, okay, look, you're going to call your mother and you're going to call her five times a week. I'm not calling my mother and you can't make me yeah. call my mother. <laughs> Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we, and we were saying, go ahead and tell them that they're right. You're not using the phone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, I mean, that's all I have on the subject. I hope that the, the people who are listening and then in the archives, I hope that it pans out that one of the two of us, it sounds like we were both running our mouths at the same time without realizing it that, uh, that one of us was being picked up because I think, it, you know, very important show and a lot of good points were made. Uh, we'll just have to check that on the playback, I guess. We, we will always uh, touch on this topic here, here there, and, and everywhere um, because, you know, it's important and it's certainly a, a, a pet peeve of, uh, of mine. So, all right, that's good. We're, we're behind, we're behind the eight ball in time. So let's, I guess we'll keep moving. We'll keep it moving. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so, again, we do see that we still have a good number of callers on hold who I assume are calling in to participate in the Recovery Support Time segment. Uh, some of you may just be calling in to listen to the show. We do apologize for the technical difficulties, but are glad that you are still with us. We are going to take a short music break here. And on the other side, we will get to your guys' phone calls in the Recovery Support Time segment. So thank you all for sticking with us. Everybody wants- 
Coming up next is OCG Radio's Recovery Support Time, where our hosts provide support and guidance for your recovery-related questions and issues. Recovery Support Time, where it's our time to help you. I'm always trying to catch you off guard, and so we accidentally tr- slipped in a little bit of that before our PSA, which can never be yep. done, uh, but here we are, back at it. Do we have any X-Files? I do, but let's go to our phones first, as they've been holding a while. I got I got a couple of very good questions um, that I want to throw out. Uh, let's Beautiful. see, who's been holding longest? Let's go to uh, Danny from San Mateo. Welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, hello. Good. What's up? Uh, my question is, how can I manage? How can I manage my recovery when I am struggling? What are you struggling with? Well, you know, there, there's at times where where I get into these, these emotional thoughts. You know, what I mean, like stuff going on with my family. You know, what I mean that that may affect my recovery. I would like a little more advice on how I can go about this. One of the biggest, one of the biggest um, tugs, T-U-G-S, tugs at people when they're trying to get their recovery thing on is from family members. And the tug is not necessarily a negative thing. It, it could be for good reason. You know, I got my spouse, I got my children, I got, you know, my mother, you know, that are out there for me, needing me, depending on me, et cetera, or there are things going on in the family and you want to be there. You want to, you know, help. You want to try and solve whatever's happening or, or, or not happening. And it takes an extreme level of self-control and discipline to 
resist the urge to do it. Because what is it that you can do right now versus what you can do when you are 100% back to being who you need to be? You can't help anybody until you're straight. And that's not an easy thing to, you know, resist when your family's pulling you and, and tugging you, tugging at you. You're going to have to somehow find the, the ability to resist it. We've seen way too many people over the years that gave in to the tug and, and allowed themselves to be, you know, taken off track. So we're, we're definitely not, we're not going to sit here and tell you that that's not real, that's not difficult, that that tug is, is, unbe- is not unbelievable. We're not going to tell you that. We're going to tell you it is, all, all that and more. But you've got to find a way to resist it. And what can be one of those possible ways for me to, to, to resist it? Oftentimes it depends on how it's coming at you. Sometimes it could be as direct as somebody saying to you, you don't need to be there, you know, you, you weren't that bad. Or it could be, there's a lot of stuff going on here, I need your help. It could be both of those extremes. Or in the middle, it could just be people missing you. You know, we wish you were here. When can you be here? Things like that. The first one, if somebody's saying to you, you know, you don't need to do that, you weren't that bad, you know, et cetera, you have to ask yourself, well, wait a second. If I made the decision to come in here, I must have thought that I needed it. If they don't think I need it, are they looking out for my best interests? That's one way to look at that. The other two examples, okay, if they're just missing you, well, that one's a little bit easier to deal with. Because that's natural. That's normal. They're going to miss you. But if they're calling you and saying, hey, you know, we need your help here. We can't do it without you. Okay? That's, that one more than any other is what gets people. And yeah, you I mean, got to be able to. Go ahead. I mean, that, that's mostly like what my situation now is like I call my family, you know what I mean? And, and they tell me like. Oh, you know, you know, we we need your help. I mean, like, I mean, they also tell me like, oh, I'm proud of you for doing what you're doing. You know what I mean? But it's like, like, just the stuff that they tell me, like, like you said, they miss me. Uh, you know, stuff like that that they need my support. You know what I mean? Just stuff like that. Like, I keep it on my mind, and and like, I don't know how to really cope with it. And the next thing I know, it's messing with my recovery because I'm not expressing what is on my mind. Well, first things first. You absolutely must speak to what's in your mind. You must speak to it. Because when you don't speak to it, okay, we can be our own we can be our own worst enemies. So if you're just having a conversation with yourself all the time, okay, pretty soon you're gonna convince yourself 
of, of, of doing something that's not in your best interest. So you need to talk to other people so they can give you positive feedback and support and some additional strength to hold on for as long as you need to hold on for. You know, it doesn't have to be just you by yourself. What you can do, though, is you can talk to your family and you can ask them and you can acknowledge, hey, I know that you need me. I know that you miss me. I know you need my support, but I got to do this for myself. And, and if, if, I, if I can do this for myself, I can be even better support. I can be even a better person for everybody. So I need your support in this area. I need you to not ask me to leave. I need you to not ask, tell me to come home. You know what I'm saying? You 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 got to put yourself out there to them in that way because you're not doing this for them. You're doing it for you. Yeah. So I mean I mean I mean lately, lately I've been I've been talking to 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 some people that I feel like they're they're a strong support for me. Now we're just mm-hmm. basically expressing how I'm feeling and, and like basically what's going on with me. You know what I mean? And and all they do is give me positive feedback and like like. Best advice is for what to do. Just keep Good. talking to people and getting getting uh, the proper support that I may need. That's what you got to do. Don't let it drive you out the door. You know. And, All right. And my other my other thing too is like I don't know how to really like explain it to my family like the situation that I'm in, like why I came to recovery. I mean they know why I came to recovery, but. Like explain like what I want to do in life, and I mean, because then they're gonna tell me like, oh, I don't think you should do this or do that. I mean, so. You know, you know what you need to do. That's a question. What is that? You need to grow up and speak to your family as a independent man. That's what you need to do. Speak to, you know, you need to tell them that this is, this is what my desires are. This is what I'd like to do. This is what I'd like to be. This is a part of that process for me, okay? And, and then hold it, you know what I mean? If it's something positive, if it's something constructive, hold it. Don't allow anyone to push you off of that. And that's not, you know... That's not a negative thing as far as your family goes. I mean, that's what families do. They try and guide and, and some, to some extent control. I mean, that's how families are. But you have to be able to stand in your own truth, stand in your own, you know, uh, picture of what you want to be and not let them sway you to something that you don't want. And part of being able to do that, especially within a family, is growing up, you know, mentally emotionally growing up and being mature enough to speak your own truth until you speak and then hold firm to it. Okay. You know, they're going to be able to influence you and, and, and push you in one direction or another that you may not want to do or go, go. Families can be like that. You know, so I mean, I I just want them to get a a better understanding on what what I want to do in life. I mean, so hope, hopefully, eventually, I can. Okay. Let them I'm gonna know. have to interrupt you. I'm gonna have to interrupt you. you. Hear what you just said? 
I want them to get a better understanding, okay? They don't have to get anything. What you have to do is tell them. Whether they get it or not is irrelevant to you. They'll have no choice but to accept it. They may not get it, but they'll have to accept it. Why will they have to accept it? Because you've pronounced, you have stated, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to be. This is how I'm going to go about it. Hopefully all of it's positive, okay? And they have to just accept that. But the only way that can happen is if you speak your truth to your family, okay? All right. All right. Thank you well, for, for thank, the call. Thank, Great call. Thank you, for, thank you for your support. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mr. Producer, you know how families are. Yes, indeed. As I was listening to us, you know, hey, and and you, the best point I think comes at the end of that phone call when it's they don't have to get anything uh, because they won't get everything or anything. Right. Right. And and so it's really unimportant. I remember um, my my you know my grandfather. Uh, my, my father, the man who raised me, was always very curious about not necessarily me, but the general idea of addiction, right? So philosophically, he, he would debate this in his own mind, and he had a master's degree in counseling, and he actually had a couple of master's degrees, but he he struggled to understand until the day he passed this idea that a human being couldn't stop necessarily. Like, why can't you just make that decision, right? What you, clearly every time anybody uses, they're choosing to do so. And so the idea that oh, like a human is powerless, right? Because we hear this in the field all the time, but he struggled to really uh, on a deeper kind of philosophical level, understand that idea that like, so make the choice not to do it, right? And and he got it. I mean, this is just when he was in the mood to to think on a deeper level or or, or debate these things. You know, on the surface, he could uh, you know he could he could respect it and understand. Hey, no, the, the people struggle, and obviously you'd have to if you got your master's degree in counseling. But on some sort of philosophical fundamental level. He he had a hard time wrapping his mind around this concept that like a person just can't. So you mean to tell me you can't just have a beer while you watch the game? That somehow if that happens, that is going to unravel into something else. It's like a predetermined outcome, so to speak. Um, and so, you know, just to blow up the point that you made to the caller and the caller made right there, like family or people or the rest of society don't have to get it. Because many of them won't, but that's not what's important. What's important is that you understand your reality and you do what you have to do to make sure that that's handled, regardless right. of how other people feel or whether or not other people understand it, right, or get it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Let's go to, what does this say, Dwayne from San Mateo. Welcome to the show. Dwayne? Hello? Yes. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Um, thank you. Good. How can we help you? Um, so I had a quick question. It basically is, um, what are the importance?
important skills for an addict to maintain recovery, and how important is fitness and working out for recovery? Uh, important skills. They have to be committed. They have to understand the idea of what of commitment. Not a promise, but a commitment. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to understand discipline. They have to understand self-control. And I would put those two, those, those two at the top, with commitment being the third one. Okay. Um, everything else can fall by the wayside for whatever reason, good, bad, or ugly. But if a person maintains their self-discipline, maintains their self-control, okay, they can get by. When you lose your self-discipline, you lose your self-control, things get crazy. Okay. Uh, working, out, working out and nutrition and all of that stuff is 100%. Let's, let's, call, let's call it exercise. Proper eating and exercise is 100% super important to recovery. Because when you're out there doing, you know, doing the addict life, those things aren't important. You're not eating the way you should. You're not getting the nutrients that you should. You're certainly not exercising like you should. Especially right. when it gets but especially when it gets bad. You know what I mean? When right. those things just fall by the wayside. So uh regaining those things and re implementing them back into your life becomes very important. Absolutely. It also it also you know, exercising starts that process of the natural dopamines in the brain re-energizing themselves so that you can start to feel good naturally and you don't need an artificial substance to make you feel good. Okay. All right? Okay. So would you say that, um, would you say that exercise could be considered an, uh, an addiction It's by to itself or... A deflection towards recovery, depending. Yeah, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use the word addiction, but what I would say okay. is, if you if a person becomes consumed with exercising all the time, to the detriment of other phases of their life, then that's a problem. Okay, so everything has basically everything like has an to be unhealthy hobby. Yeah, it has to, everything has to be in moderation. So you can't exercise 20 hours a day, six days a week, but meanwhile you're ignoring your family, you know, you're not showing up at work and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Correct. It has to be in balance, in moderation. Correct. Okay? Okay. All right. All right. Thank you once again, sir. All right. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Mr. Producer. Yes, sir. Can you imagine how I felt the next morning after I arrived at Swan Lake and my big brother is taking, you know, walking me out of the men's dorm and I'm like, wow, okay, it's, a, it's almost like a 150-yard, uh, 200-yard walk to the main house. And uh, 
He says, let me just, you know, we got some time before we have to be seated for morning meeting. Let me just take you on a little tour of the property. And we get to the gym. And, you know, it's open, so we're able to go inside and to see this gym, huge gym, full-length, regulation size basketball court, stands. I mean, you name it. Yeah. Um, I'm like, is this, this is treatment? This is not what I expected. Yeah. So, yeah. So for people who were into, you know, playing basketball, because they had a softball field, you know, pools, if you're into sports or exercising, they knew that that was an integral part of recovery. Sure. And so they knew that these things had to be – I didn't know that. I'm just saying. They knew that, whoever they were. They knew that these things were important to a holistic recovery process. The four distinct yet overlapping modules of treatment. Yep. Physical recreational. Yep. That's that's one of the deals, and I know obviously you pass that along, which is you know you're passionate about what you do, which is why you are in this field and, and do what you do. But I can recall when I was 17 years of age, going through the process myself. You came out maybe once every couple of months. I think it was maybe two or three times uh, while I was going through the process, and and you would uh you would referee. And uh, and help us get like a, a one-on-one or two-on-two basketball tournament going. It was either like yep. Friday night or Saturday night a couple of times. And so, mm-hmm. you know, obviously just another another point that, yeah, you can't – We it's not just about sitting in groups all day and getting in touch with, you know, your, your feelings and learning how to cope with those things. That While that's very important, every aspect – is important, which is generally speaking, the beauty of the TC because the TC encompasses all of that, not just one particular aspect. You remind me of, uh, I got to tell this brief story. I know we're running on time, but I got to tell this story. Sitting in the staff office at the adolescent facility, um, and this was, you know, back when sometimes you had a particular client where you would screen their phone calls to their parents and it would be on speakerphone. Mm-hmm. And one particular client was, came in and would call, you know, call their mother and, you know, the conversation went like this. You know, so the mother came on the phone and, you know, you know mother said, so, you know, what do you, you know, what do you do there? What do you spend your time doing? And the client said, we clean. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You yes. hit the mute button. Yes. I said, what do you oh, do? Tell me, all you do is clean. Of course, all they did was clean. That's what they felt. All they did was clean. Right. 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 Here's what I've learned since being in treatment. I've learned how to clean like nobody's business. And I've learned that all my problems are that I'm lazy and non-caring. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Old, old, uh, kind of the old, old adages of the TC right there, but yeah, right. Uh, it's the things that are, that you're not used to or that you don't like that stick out to you the most. Well, of course, everything, everything has a meaning. It has a, is a method to the madness. It's beneficial. I mean, I don't know anybody who spent any amount of time in the, Therapeutic community, uh, at least, 
or any residential type treatment environment, okay, that if you spent a, a, you know any significant period of time, that you one thing you would come out of there knowing is how to clean. Yeah, yeah. You know, my my oldest daughter when she went to the school, and she would spend the time. You know, she would stay in the facility. Until I then pick her up at you know eight eight o'clock eight thirty at night because she enjoyed just being there because now she was the same age as the clients, okay. So she was sure, sixteen right. and seventeen years old, and uh, later she would say you know one of the things that the best thing she learned was how to clean. So now I could say you know I said yeah you need to GI that. She knows exactly what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean yeah you need to clean that. It's the difference between cleaning it and GIing it. Right. She knows when I say GI it, that means something totally different. That's the white glove inspection right there. Exactly. Uh, it's funny. I brought that out with me, and I know my first job outside uh, when I was 18, I was hired at a at a local restaurant in Menlo Park. And, uh, and I remember one day my boss asked me to – uh, there was like a like a cabinet where we stored some of the coffee and things by the coffee bar underneath the barista's sink, and we were in a lull kind of between lunch and dinner. There would be like a little lull where you wouldn't get too many customers, and uh, you know my boss asked me, "Hey, you know, would you mind cleaning uh, under that sink?" And I didn't know anything other than like, yeah, when I'm asked to clean something, right, pride and quality, all these things that are instilled in us, right. And so first thing I do is I open up the sink and I start taking everything out that's underneath the sink. Everything that's in that cabinet is being taken out and put on the counter. And, uh, you know, and so it's bare inside and I start spraying and scrubbing it down and then dusting everything down and putting it back. And I think at some point uh, he came by and saw a lot of the stuff on the counter that was underneath. He asked me what I'm doing. You know, you asked me to clean here. I wanted to make sure I cleaned it. And he said, man, I said, he said, we've been a restaurant here since 1989. I don't think that cabinet has ever been that clean. Uh, you know, I guess most of the baristas would open up and just dust down the product in there or whatever. And that, that would be the end of it. I'm like, oh, no. Right. Uh, the definition of clean to me is something completely different at this point in my life. Right. Uh, so, yeah, good good skills, obviously, that, uh, you know, we used to tell people all the time, one thing that you will have when you get out into the workforce, and obviously this was uh, when we were an adolescent program, so more kind of like what you preach to the adolescents who, who either maybe had a little side job at some point or had never really worked, uh, that when, when you get your first job, at, you know, at, at the local coffee shop or whatever it may be, you're going to work circles around the people that you're next to because, the work ethic this place will instill in you will not be lost and uh and it will go noticed by supervisors and i know a lot of the the adolescents who actually made it through its completion and got jobs would would be promoted rather rapidly wherever it was they went to work because uh you know they would come out and that that was just kind of the bar that was set or the expectation level which it tends not to be that way generally speaking in in society right and so yeah. that was always a yeah that was always a good a good outcome of the TC right there. Well, how are we doing on time, sir? Uh, you know we are doing we we probably got enough time for it looks like we got two calls that we haven't screened yet. We could probably knock them both out if we skip the screening process and roll the dice. 
Let's go, the one that's been holding longest. Hi, welcome to the show. Can we have your first name and hometown, please? Uh, George, San Mateo. Hi, welcome. How can we help you? Um, I'm just uh, getting a little bit confused on what I'm doing on a, like a daily basis for my recovery. Um, I sit through the groups and such and just not able to nail it down. I'm advanced in years. I'm 65, and I've uh, been on this road too long. So what do you want to do? Uh, Well, I want to get it because I'm tired of the drinking and just going nowhere with it. Um, Except maybe the pity pot. Well, then that I, I just don't know sometimes. So when you when you say you're not getting it, what what do you mean by that? Mm. Uh, too many things are changing, like rules. And I this is my second time to in here and to get the recovery, and first time I I've been. Having over the last ten years, it's just been one medical problem after another. Uh, haven't gone ninety days in the last ten years without something that's basically life-threatening. Uh, last time I was uh, applying myself to the program and such, I wound up with a heart attack and had a stent put in. That's working out quite well. So, so it matters not. By the way your age uh, because you can be 10 years further down the road mm-hmm. and be in the same position. It doesn't matter. We, you know, whether, whether you do this or not, okay, you know, you, life will just continue to go on in one way, mm-hmm. shape, or form, hopefully, right? But um, mm-hmm. if you want to grab, take hold of this recovery thing, um, you you have one it's funny at the opposite ends of the spectrum now you have one thing working against you mm-hmm. and it's no different than the 16 year old what they have working against them okay or let's say the 20 year old 21 year old has working against them okay the the person who's 21 years old hasn't lived a lot okay and so they don't have the benefit of experience to say you know, all right, I need to change my ways now. No, they still feel, in, you know, indestructible, and they, they still have time left where they can maybe do a little something and dabble a little bit before they turn it around. That's often the thinking of a 21-year-old. Yeah, I've heard okay. that in some of the people that have talked in the groups, yeah. Okay. okay. Now, go to the other extreme, okay? Someone who's lived a lot, been through a lot, currently and still experiencing a lot. Okay? Yeah. The, the, the attitude is almost in reverse. Okay? Uh-huh. I'm 65. You know, what... You know, what, what, what else is there for me to do? I, got, I, I have health issues that are, you know, attacking me. It seems like every 90 days. Um, it's not like I'm 35 or I'm 45 and I still have you know, 20, 30 years of good life left. Okay. Yeah. 
you yeah. almost sound you almost sound like you're giving up. Sometimes I feel that way. You're right. There's only one cure for that. Mm-hmm. The only cure for that is you obviously are not sharing what you really, truly feel. Yeah, I'd not open it up enough, that's for sure. I've just started, to, things just started to fall into place last couple of days so yeah the opening up and, and participation is uh is key and that's it just like i say i've just had that kind of looking at me for the last uh, let's say two three days but it has made a difference and you're right i sometimes i do give up too easy that has to change if you yeah. want to dis- if you want to have any chance of succeeding in this that has to change and especially when you're going through down periods you must you must you must have you must share and talk about what it is you're experiencing so that you can get you know feedback and support from other people they don't have to, people don't have to be in your age group in order to support you they don't mm-hmm. have to be there because it's it's not your age they're supporting it's what you're experiencing that they're going to support you with. Right. And it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. We all experience similar things. We just deal with them differently. So someone who has experience dealing with it in a more positive fashion can support you. Okay. All right. The hope, the, the hope is that you get to the point where your experience, your life experience is going to help other people. That's the hope. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's what I've been called on the carpet about enough. That yeah. There's, that can also a lot of that can yeah. also help pull you out of your doldrums too. You know. Mm-hmm. Instead of focusing inwards, you can focus outwards and help other people using your life experience to help them. And before you know it, you'll start to feel better about your experience. Yeah, that does have a, a real strong ring of truth to it, I'll tell you. All right. Okay. All right, sir. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. How are we on time, Mr. Producer? Uh, we can get the we can get through the last one who's been waiting here All for right. a little bit. And I do want to have about a minute left before we because I want to talk about something just for a minute before we go off. Yeah, I'll give you that minute. In reference to what we've been experiencing. Okay, Uh, where are we at? Uh, Okay, welcome to the show. Can we have your first name in your hometown, please? Mr. Producer, are you able to click on that person? Yeah, let's. Here we go. We should be good. We should be live. Can we get Hello, your uh, first name and where? Yeah, can we get your first name and where you're from? Okay, my first name is Jose, and I'm from Rebel City. Beautiful. Okay. Welcome, Jose. How can we help you? Well, my question is, how can I find a starting point where I can actually 
for myself not be so anxious in thinking of getting specifically, I would say, reading material for 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 being over anxious for me. Are you asking where you can access reading material about anxiety? Well, or specific authors or specific um, books like workbooks or um, books or, yeah, books. But instead of – I think that's the right way that you described it, just anxious but for – but. Specifically, not where, but just what type of books? It depends on what specifically you're looking for. But whatever it may be, as a producer, at least from my perspective, it would be that if you have access to the Internet, that you can, for lack of a better expression, Google what it is specifically you're looking for in that area. Yeah, absolutely. And it will open up the world to you that you can pick and choose from. We, we live in the information age where we have information at our fingertips. That is correct. Sounds great. All right. I think that would be the first way to start what I need to find. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. All right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Good afternoon. Thank you. And you And you're – yeah, short and sweet, and you're right out about that minute mark, so uh, okay. don't go over or I will cut you off. I know you will. So you and I were talking off air while during the break about how disgusted we are. We are and were at you know the technical difficulties that we've been having like this last year almost on every show. I think maybe one show in the last year did we not get, or me, get boot, booted off the server. Right. Um and, and you made a great a great point about you know we you and we need to start acting like that we, we are actually paying for this service and <laughs> right right you know we're just we're just letting them get away with providing inferior service so that's going to come to a sliding screeching 360 degree skidding halt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's what needs to happen, man. Uh, you're taking our money for a service, and really, all we're asking for is that you don't boot us. We'll figure everything else out, but just just allow us to have our connection for the couple of hours, uh, really twice a month at this point that we're asking for. Come on, you're just taking our money. You're robbing us blind at this point. <laughs> Yes. Yes, exactly. That's what that's what needs to take place. That's what needs to take place real soon here and uh so we can get back on track. But uh all right, well, I'm going to sign us off here, but I will say, you know, we will shoot to be back in a couple of weeks, maybe at worst 3 weeks, but by that time we'll be deep in the training camp. Uh so hopefully neither one of us will be too sad with the news of blown ACLs or torn Achilles. And, uh, you know, our teams will be as healthy as they can be to make it for a good and competitive season. Uh, But that said, we do want to thank everybody for sticking with us today. It was a little bit of a bumpy ride. We did hit some technical difficulties, but we hope you enjoyed the topic. 
Um, it's a topic that we, you know, the the host mentioned uh, to me throughout. The week. We're going full car crash again. Uh, yeah, that would be for the Achilles or the ACL right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, indeed. Uh, again, we thank everybody for your ongoing support. Anybody who calls in just to listen, uh, listens to the archives, calls in to participate in the Recovery Support Time segment. You all are the reason we do this and the only reason we can make it happen moving forward. Uh, so we do look forward to chatting with you all in a couple of weeks from now. Have a productive couple of weeks, safe and fun couple of weekends, and we will catch you all on the other side.
our show for this evening. Thank you for listening. Be sure to listen to our next broadcast Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com forward slash OCG Radio. Like us, friend us, and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash OCGWorkCA and on Twitter at OCGWorkCA. You can listen to podcasts of all our shows on iTunes under Roach on Recovery or on our Blog Talk Radio homepage. This has been a presentation of OCG Recovery Radio. Until then, baby.